0: Welcome to REIP Realty Mid-Month Market Update with Kate Bakos. This is where you will get the most up-to-date information on what is happening across the country in the property market. Kate Bakos is a highly respected commentator on all things property and a very successful buyer's agent. Realty.com.au is the fastest growing online social media platform, taking your listings to comments. REIP is a collective of leaders Committed to influencing, uniting, and empowering the industry and our clients. Please enjoy this mid-month market update. Hello and welcome to REIP Realty Market Update. And with me is Kate Bacos. How are you, Kate? I'm well, thanks. It's great to be joining you. Well, great to have you. And it's exciting, isn't it? Because New South Wales came out of lockdown midnight last night or, you know, 12.01 this morning, and there seems to be a lot of celebration happening there, and Victoria is not that far away. And I'm assuming that given that the stock levels have been quite tight through the lockdown periods, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, as we start to open up or, you know, the hope of opening up, we will start to see uh, the stock levels changing, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria as a start.
1: I think that's a, a really good estimate. And what we need to be mindful of, though, is buyer activity will also increase. So we might find ourselves with a buyer-seller balance that remains very similar, even though the stock levels and the sales volume will increase.
0: That's a really good point, Kate, because up till now, it's definitely been a seller's market, a vendor's market, hasn't it? And the, the opening up is actually is going to see that balance shift What about the rest of Australia? What else do you expect to see in other capital cities?
1: Well, capital cities are quite incredible, as are some of our large regions. If you look on, on the charts and track what sort of capital growth all of our cities are experiencing, you've got a lot of green arrows. And never before, not since 2003, have we seen capital cities and regions in sync like that exhibiting a positive trend. So I think that this seller's market is here to stay for quite a while because we've got low interest rates, we've got really strong consumer sentiment, and we haven't got enough stock to, um, to to go around for all of the demand that we're experiencing. So while I think also buyers and vendors making a decision to come out and be active in the property market, I still think that we'll have an imbalance for a while. Mm.
0: And it would be interesting, won't it, Kate, because as we come out of these lockdowns, particularly in the two larger states, do you expect to see people coming out and saying, I've had it, I'm done with living in the inner city market or living in an apartment or a house with no backyard or no balcony. And we'll see this real shift of people going into either regional or semi-regional areas or moving from the unit
1: style housing
0: into a house with a backyard.
1: It's a really good question. To be honest, I think that we've seen a lot of that over the last 18 months. We've seen enormous um, adoption of sea change and tree change. We've seen people um, upgrading the size of their dwelling because they've needed to facilitate working from home. And we've seen a lot of people opting for a clean, clean, green lifestyle. So My um, perception of, of that continuing is that we might actually see some pullback. We'll see some elasticity and our cities will again become quite popular because right now there's the city isn't a huge draw card because we've shut everything down. But when people do get the opportunity to embrace what's going on in their cities and also when employers call for people to come back to work, even on a hybrid arrangement, I don't think everyone that wanted to leave the city during lockdown will necessarily be happy to, to shake off the city and, and say cheerio to it. So I think that we'll see things settle down a little bit. Those that have made the tree change and, and had it work for them will continue to enjoy that. But I do think that we won't see that the city experience a mass exodus at all.
0: Mm, so we've talked a little bit about stock levels. Let's, let's talk about capital growth. And I'd love to do this sort of sweep around the country, what you're seeing um, across every major capital city.
1: Yeah, well, as I said earlier, we've got green arrows for everything. So across the board, um, dwelling values nationally have performed above 20% and that's an enormous number when we think about it to add 20% to to a dwelling value and and contemplate that you'd need to find that extra money over a 12-month period is just mind-blowing but out of all of the capital cities it's only Melbourne that's that's trailing with 15%, which is still colossal. And one of our strongest performers, well, our strongest performing city is actually Hobart um, at, at 26.8%. I think that's an enormous amount of growth for that city. And we we know that Hobart's been particularly popular for years. But um, in the in the face of a pandemic, I wouldn't have expected to see that. Now, we've seen Perth and Darwin rebound. And we have to remember when we're talking about this data, we're talking about combined units and houses. And, of course, when we segment the two, houses outperform units in the current market. So if we were to further segment it and also look at a particular dwelling types, we can anticipate that there will be dwellings that have performed over 30%. So it, it's really intriguing when you do cut the data like that. But as I said earlier, our, our capital cities and regions have all performed so strongly.
0: Mm. Kate, do you think? Um, and it's interesting, you know, when you when you start to cut the data, how housing continues to outperform the units. Do you think the investors are going to be pushed more towards buying housing rather than units as future investments? Then
1: that's a really good question. The the benefit of units is you you tend to get higher rental yields. So it depends on what's driving the investor. But from an affordability point of view, I think that we will see units uh, land back on the map and and in their sites and I think when you're considering a really well-located unit and a unit that doesn't have extremely high outgoings you know body corporate fees or strata fees they they tend to be the boutique blocks I think they will continue to perform and we might see a resurgence in popularity of of that kind of stock for for first home buyers for for investors and and certainly you know for those who want the option of having a city pad and maybe their their regional the regional pad. pad. Let's talk, let's talk about
0: the rental market while we're on there. I mean, we've seen the inner city rental market in Melbourne in particular have a bit of a slump, you know, extreme long lockdowns, lack of my net zero, negative migration, similar numbers happening in Sydney. But as we open up, we expect the rental market to shift. What are you seeing happen across the country? Because there are some markets performing in ways that we never expected them to perform. Darwin is a good example of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm really concerned about our rental market to be honest, Dana. I think that we've got potentially a housing crisis on our hands because we're we're seeing some rental growth above 20% and that's really hard for a tenant to to face. And you know, they certainly are the, the category of, um, of of people who who need dwellings and, you know, need a roof over their heads that are experiencing it hard with the the demand that's been put on their markets. And we've got some regions that are really tough to get into. I know from a local point of view, when we've seen people wanting to move to Geelong, for example, and experience Geelong life before they commit to buying something, so the try-before-you-buy sort of approach It's really hard to get a a dwelling to rent in Geelong right now. It's so tight. And our clients have been able to to get a tenant lined up on the first inspection. So that's always an indication of a tight market. We're seeing it around the nation. What is really intriguing about um, our changes to to rental demand is when we were tracking these charts when COVID first broke uh, in Australia, we saw Melbourne units hit the hardest out of every single capital city market it was melbourne units that were looking dismal and they bottomed out at minus 13% meaning the average rent that landlords were able to command had come off by 13% on average for melbourne units and if we segment that data we could be certain that the inner city and the docklands type uh, locations were were really struggling and they they were over 20% losses so we've seen that market come back which is really amazing because we've had continued lockdowns we haven't had new arrivals our universities aren't open so the question is what has um eased that that burden there and and closed that gap and it comes down to owner occupiers making the decision so if we go back to the the data that we were initially looking at in terms of stock levels we can see that new stock uh, for sale is in reasonable number but total stock is very low And what that means is properties that have been on the market for a long time are being snapped up. So there's buyer desperation out there. They're obviously turning around and saying, oh, I know that was there six months ago, but let's have another look at it now. And so when we look at rental and we can see on the charts that that Melbourne is now um, only minus 1.6, which is quite amazing when we think about how Melbourne market has been hit in the rentals. Um, department, it's it's definitely a strong bounce back, and we can apportion that to to vacant units um, going to owner occupiers, and and also it's tightened the supply of stock, so landlords have been able to to claim um, closer to what they were were formerly getting in rent, and when we look across the board at units and houses. Everything has strengthened of late. Now, over the last couple of months, a few have come off Darwin. Perth have have weakened slightly, but they they were the ones that were performing the strongest. They're still, you know, Darwin, we're still uh, above 20%. So, yes, we've got some some serious rental issues there for a lot of tenants and obviously good news for landlords, but it's definitely something that that we need to keep a close eye on.
0: Let's talk about some of these risk factors, Kate, because affordability is a big one and affordability hits both sales and the rental market. Wages have not kept in line with the growth of the the property markets across both rental and sales. So that's that's a big issue. What are some of the other risk factors that you were seeing that will probably uh, stop or ease some of the market growth that we that has happened to date?
1: Yeah, well, as you've said, you know, our market may self-regulate if affordability gets too too tight for, for consumers out there. I mean, that's the, the natural way that these things consult themselves out. But we have a regulator who has stepped in. APRA have recently uh, enforced what we call heightening of the servicing levels. So, for example, when, when an applicant goes for a loan, even if the lending that they're getting is around 25 or 3%, their loan is assessed on something closer to 5.5%. And so that's really stress testing them and demonstrating to the bank that should rates go up, that consumer is able to meet the demands of increasing interest rates. Now, the Prudential Regulator has increased that now by 50 basis points so that our servicing levels are around 6%. So they've introduced that that risk mitigant deliberately in in the event that we have an increase to our interest rates, but also in an effort to cool the rate of growth. And that's not to say that they're wanting to turn positive into negative. We're not not planning to see property values decline, but what they're wanting to do is slow down this heavy pace because we all know that 20% year on year is not sustainable.
0: So if you were a first home buyer wanting to get into the market, does that mean with the latest APRA changes, does that mean I've got to have a bigger deposit, Kate?
1: No, it doesn't. It's all about the servicing. So when we're going for a loan, there's there's two parts that we need to be mindful of. The first is having the deposit. And obviously, the lesser the deposit, the higher the risk that you represent. and, And then mortgage insurance is introduced. But the other part is what we call servicing and that's the amount of income that you're earning minus your commitments to other things. And so it's it's the income that you've got that can service the debt comfortably and still allow you to have a good lifestyle. And the servicing rate has been increased, which means your maximum borrowing capacity will slightly decrease. And for first home buyers, they're typically looking at obtaining credit for property, and they, they may not have other credit commitments. They they could have car loans or something like that, but typically a 1st home buyer doesn't have enormous credit commitments. And so their borrowing capacity will be just calculated on that particular purchase. And it's the investors that we're likely to see uh, have their borrowing capacity hampered by a more significant amount because their servicing calculation is across all of their lending. So rather than one property, it could be times two or times three. And as a result, that, that will pare back their ability to stretch. And we might see investors targeting smaller dwellings like units, or we could see them going into the region. So this will have an impact on our market. But with a 50% uh, with a fifty basis points increase, it's not going to be dramatic. We have to remember that when we relaxed our credit from a few years prior, we came down off over 7.5% buffer rates to 5.5%. So that was a 2% cut. This is, this is half a percent, so we need to keep that in perspective.
0: Mm. Kate, thank you so much for your time and for this mid-market update. I look forward to talking to you next month, and I think a lot is going to happen. We'll have New South Wales completely out of lockdown. Victoria would be just coming out of it. You know, they're promising at the end of October, and I think that will have an impact on a, a late spring, but people just wanting to get out and, and make changes to their lifestyle, and, and that will have an impact on the market. So let's see what happens in a month's time. I very much look forward to it. Talk to you then. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for joining us. Please take a few moments to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. Until next time, stay safe and stay connected.